This is a Rooster Teeth production. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestling with the Week. It's a Frankensteiner on the wildest news that's happening in the last seven days and what's going on in the wrestling world. I'm your host, James Holmes, joined, as always, by Scorpio Sky. James, my favorite move growing up was the Frankensteiner. It's one of the reasons I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. That mm-hmm. being said, I have a statement. Okay, wow. Okay, we're kicking it off. Go ahead. What a week. I, I thought I thought for some reason I, I for you know I forgot the format of the show. We've done this a hundred times now. It feels like, and I I forgot that that was the format. I was like, what is he going to tell me about <laughs> something? He's he's never going to do the Frankensteiner again. He's quitting. Um, Such a cool Sky, move, man. It's a great move. And then they started reversing it. This is yeah. listen. If you are if you listen to this show and you're not like a crazy wrestle head, uh, the Frankensteiner I'll explain is when you jump up. <laughs> You face your opponent, you jump up, you essentially wrap your thighs around their head, you do a backflip from this position, and then that carries their momentum all the way over the top. Um, it's, <laughs> There's like it's married wild. couples it listening amazing. like, well, honey, let's try that later. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I, I like the good old-fashioned, like, you know, there's obviously all kinds of different ways of doing it, but I love that good old-fashioned Scott Steiner where they're just coming off the ropes, mm-hmm. just jumps up, grabs them, and snaps over. Like, it was just such a cool move when I was a kid growing up. And, uh, yeah, again, that was one of the things that like, I, I used to dream of my brother and I, like, be, being the Steiner brothers when we grew up. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, anyways, uh, man, we got a lot to talk about today. We've got Kevin Kleinrock on the show. We got a great one, right? Yeah, we have a lot of stuff. We're of course we're going to be talking ahead about Dynamite. Uh, Sky, I want to talk to you about what's happening in your I'm putting quotation marks, a tag team match uh, with Darby Allen. Um, and uh, of course, we have some fun, uh, fun stuff. I want to talk to you about Batman, uh, if possible, uh, if we got the time. And uh, and yeah, we got a fun show this week. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fast. It's going to be furious. Ooh, let's just let's just jump right into this because uh, Sky. So what's the situation? So you and Ethan Page are going to be we're going to be competing in a tag team match with Darby Allen. Gave him the option to choose any opponent other than Sting that he wanted and the end result was he picked no one. What's this all about? He's got no friends. That's what happens when you have no friends. Um yeah. we gave him the opportunity, man. We were like, go out and get somebody that's not Sting, get someone that's not you know, like come on, like you don't mm-hmm. have to have Michael Jordan. Let's see if you guys can win without Michael Jordan, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Steve Curry, he couldn't do it. But, you know, maybe he can become a manager one day and he can manage a team to victories. But he wanted to come face us by himself, which is a very, very bad move. We're going to hurt him. Uh, I'm home right now, but the hotel in Jacksonville wanted to wish me luck. They sent mm-hmm. me, uh, they know I'm a big Kobe fan. They sent me these yep. Mamba Tropics uh, candies. Wow. Uh, I can't eat them right now because I'm on a, I'm on a, like a little bit of, I'm on a diet. I'm trying to, you know, I'm using okay. these few weeks at home. I'm trying to get in, in as good a shape as I possibly can yep. so we can uh, do maximum amounts of damage on Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. We're going to 
really um, it's going to be like mr t when he's talking about rocky in in rocky three when he's talking about the rematch he's all i'm gonna hurt him i'm gonna punish him real bad yeah <laughs> that's my favorite um promo by the way because mr t he starts talking uh he's he's going off about like all this stuff he's gonna do to, to rocky and then it's almost like mm-hmm. he just runs out of things in his head and he's just like yeah, yeah i'm gonna hurt him i'm gonna torture him i'm gonna punish him I'm real bad. <laughs> yeah, he's like, that's it. That's all I could think that to do. I'm gonna feed him. <laughs> I ran out of words. Yeah, 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 man, it's good. And then when I when we finish, I'm going to uh, I'm going to enjoy all 18 chews of these Mamba tropics. Wow, that's a reward, you know. Mamba mentality. I'm just, are you, you know, because obviously, you know, you and Ethan Page, you guys are stealing the show. And you know you're making a splash. Oh my God! Look at the look at the size. This is what you're dieting for? You kidding me? That's I'm getting in shape, man. <laughs> um, I'm just you know is he is this some sort of twisted mind game? Like he's like he's like oh you know I'll I'll lose the match of course because naturally, but then next week I can file like a, a lawsuit because you essentially beat up a child. Like, I, it's just, I'm trying to get into his headspace here, or is he that lonely? Like, I mean, I don't know how much interaction you see this guy out of the ring every couple of weeks, but like, is he just that? He just doesn't have anyone else, not even a fake sting? So here's the thing. It's actually a brilliant psychological move on his part, because okay. we called him on, on his, his BS, right? We are like, dude, mm-hmm. when Sting won the match at the pay-per-view, you were laying on the floor groveling and crying. And mm-hmm. so now it, we're like, okay, you know, get another partner. Let's see if you can actually carry the load and, and win this match on your own and, um, or with another partner. And he knows he wouldn't. He knows mm-hmm. he wouldn't. So he, what do you do? You say, oh, well, I'm not going to choose another partner. I'll face you by, by myself. That way, when you lose, you have a mm-hmm. built-in excuse. Well, it was two-on-one. Nobody expects me to win that. So it's a gotcha. brilliant psychological move, Smart. and it's a way for him to uh, – save a little bit of face, but uh, he's not going to save a whole lot of face because uh, we are going to put that, mm, put the meat, we're going to put the freaking soup bones all over that face, and, and uh, one of them is all painted up, and the other one's going to be all bruised up. So I, mean, I was going to say, he's only got half a face anyway, so he's already starting with half a face yeah, less I than everyone else. Yeah, I half my face because I'm half dead inside. Guess what? I've been 53.2% dead inside for years. You don't see me complaining about it. Wow. Okay. All right. I mean, we, maybe we should dig into that. No, I'll let your therapist handle that. <laughs> we got to dig into Dynamite. This is not the only thing that's going to be happening this week on Dynamite. Dynamite, as you know, is happening on Friday night. So we're talking ahead to the little little uh, things that are supposed to come, trying to get our reactions, trying to get our predictions, see how things are going. Um, we've already talked about this tag team match, and I think we know how that's going to go. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. And I, I'm going to watch as much as I can, but I can only take so much you know, it's just going to be brutal. Um, but I'd love to get into some dynamite chat with you, uh, throw out a couple topics and we can chat about how things are going to go down. I mean, the first thing that I'm thinking of is that Jr. is going to have a sit down with, uh, with, uh, Andrade, right? Huge, yeah. huge new superstar coming into, uh, AEW and just kind of like, I don't know if you've had any sort of interactions with him or anything like that. Like, what is he here to achieve? I, I really appreciated when Christian showed up because he said, I'm here to do X, Y, Z. And I was like, okay, I know where to, I know where to place him. 
but uh i you know what do you what do you know about this guy any any thoughts any opinions i think we're gonna find out friday and i don't say that to sell the show uh but mm -hmm. i mean i legitimately don't know what his goals are or what his intentions are i've never met him uh mm -hmm. you know the day he showed up at dynamite he came in he did his deal and and he had it and he he took a he took his way out you know so i didn't mm -hmm. even actually see him that day except in the ring so mm -hmm. um you know i think we're gonna find out what his what his intentions are friday and i'm i'm happy that jr is gonna sit down and talk with him there's no better person other than jr or or tony shivani to um mm -hmm. pick his brain and and see what andrade wants to do here in all elite wrestling yeah i'm 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 genuinely curious he's very imposing he carries this like energy with him uh and i think if he has his sights set i mean this is something about aw in general you see these amazing talents that just make it decent i would argue that you're one of them too uh you I just so. decide you just well i'm saying you make a decision that you just you just want to be in the you want to be in the main events you want to be the stars of the show and then you go after that we've seen that with you we've seen that with miro i think we're going to see that with andrade so i am i'm very curious i mean maybe we get a three-way showdown there at some point in the future maybe. um you maybe. know what I'm, I'm really really hyped for like what? being a combat sports fan Mm -hmm. Jake Hager and Wardlow in an mm -hmm. MMA rules match, like MMA rules fight. Like yeah. this is going a cage to cage fight, a yeah. cage fight, right? There's going to be a cage on dynamite. Mm -hmm. They're going to step into the cage. I am extremely excited for that. And, uh, you know, I, I have to bring it up. I, I should propose this to Tony Khan. This would be the perfect time to exercise and try out my low blow rule, right? Yes, yes, that's exactly what I thought. This is the perfect time. It's the perfect because it's a you know non regulation anyway, right? This is just for funsies, it's an, but it's this an exhibition. Yeah, this is the perfect time to try it. It's like this is the equivalent of putting a trampoline down during a you know slam dunk contest or something like that. Like we're not going to get it in the actual match yet, but maybe this leads the pathway to that, right? I mean, this would be a great way for um, combat sports promoters to test it out and or to see how well it works. And like, you know, Tony Khan could be on the cutting edge of this whole thing. Like, like maybe Dana White uh, or, mm -hmm. or I, I can't remember his name, the guy that runs Bellator. They see mm -hmm. Dynamite on Friday and they're like, holy cow, that was exciting. I need to do yeah. that, too. And, yeah. and I just I think, hey, you know, Tony is a big fan of the show. Uh, if you're listening, if you're watching, please let's try this low blow rule on Friday. Dynamite, Jake Hager, Wardlow. Mm -hmm. That being said, I mean these guys are two big, uh, you know, they're two big meaty guys. Um, yeah, you got to give Jake Hager the edge in this though, right? He's an undefeated MMA heavyweight. I feel like yeah, like yeah, I feel like you kind of have to, right? This is, yeah. this feels, I mean, it, you know, it, it's something he trains for. This is something he's done. You know, he, he, when he decided he was kind of like finished with that part of his career, he moved over into wrestling. And so I would be very surprised if, if this didn't pan out for him exactly the way he wanted it to, but yeah. But yeah. yeah. I mean, we've seen in the past, there, there have been guys that have crossed over from pro wrestling into mm -hmm. MMA and they were successful. So who knows? We'll Very see true. what Wardlow can do.
Yeah, well, speaking about seeing what someone can do, Brock Anderson is going to make their debut in a tag team match with Cody Rhodes to take on Aaron Solo and QT Marshall. I uh, I'm I'm interested. I'm interested to see. We're that's this is interesting. This whole episode is going to feel very. It feels like a very debut kind of episode. We're really going to be seeing some of these people, new new athletes coming into the fray, and then also people really trying to make their mark. You know, I think that's kind of going to be the theme of this week. Um, you're going to make your mark on Darby's face, yeah. and uh, and then you know some nuts are going to get their m- marks made on them by uh, Hager, and so it's gonna it's gonna be a wild show. But I don't know any thoughts any thoughts on Brock Anderson or kind of uh, what you're expecting. Is there a better pro wrestling name than Brock Anderson? There is not. No, right. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, it's like this is just yeah. like when you hear that, that like there's no Brock Anderson working at Lowe's. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that well, guy is a professional wrestler. That's what he does. It, and I'm excited it, to see him. It is professional wrestling, though. So I'm sure you go to the Wikipedia and it says Brock Anderson, actual name, Billy Templeton. Like, oh, you know, like, no. <laughs> well, not everything on Wikipedia is true. So I'm that's not fair. Buy it. Um, I'm a, I was huge fan of Arn Anderson. I still am. He's definitely mm-hmm. a guy I will approach backstage often for advice mm-hmm. and, and just to help myself with ideas for anything. And so I can only imagine this guy uh, that, you know, grew up with this fountain of knowledge, one of the greatest minds the business has ever seen in his mm-hmm. home. So I'm yeah. really, really excited to, so I don't want to put too much pressure on him. Uh, I believe this is his first match, at least at this level, of course. Um, but I'm excited to see what Brock Anderson does, not only on Friday, but in the next three, four, five years as he comes into his own and becomes uh, the performer that I think he can become. Because I've, I've seen him, I've, I've met him, I've known him for a, at least a year or so, and he's uh, very serious about the business. And so I'm, I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what he becomes. Are we going to see the return of what is, in my opinion, the greatest spine buster in the industry? I, I truly was hoping hope you would so. go there. I'm sorry to I cut you off. I hope so. No, no. I was no, so please, excited. The, I, I, yeah. like, the moment you said it, I was just think, I was literally thinking in my head, I was like, God, I hope he does the spine buster. Like, it's Arn, the best. Nobody does it like Arn. But like, it's the best. Oh, yeah. He has to. He has to. I once, I once, because again, many moons ago, I was like, I would love to do a spine buster in a wrestling match. And so I was watching a compilation of Arn Anderson spine busters, just trying to figure out how, how it's so smooth. You know, again, for that couple that you watches this podcast to learn new sex positions, the spine buster is generally when an opponent comes off the rope, you take you, you, you're face to face, you lift them up. What and then you slam them down on their back. But what Arn does with it is just has this flair. It's like a signature, right? Like it's just I don't know how to explain it other than he has this custom flair. He always brings that leg up, turns around 180 degrees. It looks like he almost impacts on top of them, whips back. It's the best spine buster. Go uh, watch Arn Anderson spine buster compilation. I love it. Terry and Tammy yeah. are, are listening and watching at home. The, Honey, yeah. we should definitely try that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so we got the Frankensteiner and the yeah. spine buster. Oh, 
I'm going to take let's... the Advils now. <laughs> <laughs> take the Advils now. That's good. That's good. Um, well, oh. that's uh, that is dynamite. I'm real excited for it. Um, mm-hmm. Now, James, I, I do have a yeah. question for you. Uh, what is the question, Sky? Tell me. <laughs> me, 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 me. Um, <laughs> what it do, baby? I guess I'd never really thought of it as a question before. It feels like it almost feels like a statement the way you do it, but no, uh, but yeah. I mean, so, so what a week is a statement. What mm-hmm. it do baby is a question. I'm like, what it do anyway? Okay. I don't know. I'm learning. Um, I'm learning. Big news. AEW yep. is coming to NYC for the first time. New York, baby. I'm looking forward to it. Arthur Ashe stadium. Uh, mm-hmm. what do you think of the news? I think it's great. I mean, I just love seeing that we're getting to the point where wrestling's hitting the road again. Um, I I noticed not to take the attention away from New York, but I noticed that Charlotte, North Carolina got added to the schedule. And I was like, "Ooh, do I go to that? Do I go to I don't think I can make it work because that's my hometown. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was like, ah, do I? Yeah, yeah. Do I go and like, you know, Maybe maybe take my dad to a wrestling show because he's the one who got me into wrestling in the first place. I don't know that I can make the timing work, but I was like just really excited to see it back on the road. But yeah, New York, huge, awesome. I saw MJF uh, wasn't too happy about having to wrestle in Queens, um, but I think it's a cool. We were talking before the show about how it's a very unique location, right? Um, our yeah. director Brian was saying it's a tennis, it's a tennis stadium. Tennessee. And uh, and I think that's going to be a really cool kind of vibe. What are your thoughts? Well, I believe I, I looked up the capacity and the capacity is about 20, almost 24,000 seats. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. it's not going to be that once we get in there and we we have the ring and we have the stage mm-hmm. and we have all these things. But we're still probably talking in the round around the. 18 to 20,000, possibly, I, I guess, uh, which is what I I believe be the biggest house we've ever done in AEW. So I'm really excited for that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being in Queens, that should be interesting. Uh, The first thought was maybe I shouldn't wear nice shoes that day, but then I was like, you know what? I'm tough, man. I'll, I'll wear nice shoes on my feet around my neck. I'll carry them. And I'll be like, I wish somebody would try to rob me. No, uh, (laughs) but but, uh, Uh oh, they're going to use that clip in, in court in about six months. They're going to use that. Sky (laughs) actually wanted to be robbed. He's like, your honor, see, he asked me to do it. So, like, he gave me permission, really. It's all good. Like, I'm like, I'm like oh, Is that no. an impression of me? Did I rob you? <laughs> I don't know. That was Queen's Street Guy. Oh, oh right. Gotcha. Okay. Queen's Street, Street Guy. Who, by the way, I want to be a reoccurring character on this show is Queen's Street Guy. <laughs> he it. just shows up and always complains to the judge. He goes to the it. court. He has the the. the suit jacket and the suit uh-huh. uh, shirt but it's untucked and he has the tie right. and he wears jeans on him and Timberlands. yeah so that's okay. his like his core your honor and, and a pocket watch that he's always checking and spinning queen <laughs> <laughs> okay. street guy that's queen mm-hmm, street guy we got to put that in the segment list no uh mm-hmm. yeah, that's um that's uh, that's really really interesting. And and speaking of interesting, there's something I Oh, hold on. I, I think yeah, does Eric have something he wants to say? Eric. Hey. He's here. Hey. Eric I can't I, hear you, Eric. I, I did it. I flew. I flew. I left nope. Boston and I came back. Dang, Sting is a coward. Oh, there I don't he is. like him. Oh, there he is. Okay. Hello. Can you hear? Can Hi. you hear me? 
Can we you, can. Yeah, guys, I, I, left, I left Austin, Texas. I said I'm out of here, and I flew to the greatest place in the world, Southern California, of uh, palm trees and power lines. I am home. I have returned. The prodigal son, uh, I have returned to Southern California. I heard Kawhi Leonard is hurt, so I am officially throwing my hat in the ring. Uh, Clippers, let me start. I can do it. Um, why did you interrupt us? <laughs> I, tried, I try. I really tried. I really tried to keep a Clippers. Let me start. <laughs> if you're watching this, let me start. I can do it. Okay. I can. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm sure they would love to put you in in, fr in front of Terrence yeah. Mann, and I would. And I'm sure. Nice. I'm sure the Utah Jazz would love it even more. <laughs> they would be thrilled, guys. That's my SoCal report. I had to check in and say hi. Um, it's beautiful here. It truly is uh -huh. uh, the greatest place in the world. Um, yeah, I know. We live there. And they all <laughs> suck compared to this. Interesting. Yeah, yep, you're right. You're right. Well, we, Eric, thank you for... <laughs> I, like, I like that one of the topics on what it do baby this week is Eric and where Eric is in the world. Can we just start flying him all over the place? And then like, we're like, yeah. all right, here's Venice. Here he is in Venice, uh, Italy, beautiful Venice. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> where in the world is Eric? Yeah. You can't do that gimmick anymore. You guys are done. I'll do it. I love Southern yeah. California. It's my gimmick now, baby. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, thank you, Eric, for checking in. We might hear more from you later on in the show, but we got we got topics to get through. We got a show to do. Okay. Well, you're living your beach life. All right. We'll talk to yeah. you later. All right. Later. Wow. Well, I'm uh, sorry he jumped in on your segment like that. Okay. So uh, I I I've been on the hook here. I've been wondering. I've been waiting. Uh, please tell me about Batman because I don't know anything about what we're talking about, or at least I don't think we do. Or I don't mm -hmm. think I do, I should say. Okay, so the Batman news. This is uh, good stuff. So it came out earlier this week. Batman was trending. And uh, it came out earlier this week that there's a show, there's a cartoon show, Harley Quinn, and it focuses on the character Harley Quinn. Are you familiar with Harley Quinn? Very. Margot Robbie played her in the movie. Okay, yeah. So she's wacky. She's wild. The cartoon is wild. It's wacky. It's focused more on an adult audience, I would say. It definitely focuses on that. And so it came out recently that there was a joke or a bit or a scene that there was going to be put in the show, the cartoon show, about how uh, Batman goes down on Catwoman, right? basically performs oral sex on Catwoman. Oh. And then and then studio executives put the kibosh on it and said that's not allowed. And the reason they said that's not allowed is because they said, quote, heroes don't do that. So, it became <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay. a bold that, stance. And ladies and gentlemen, that is why I turned heel. <laughs> yeah. Of <laughs> <laughs> the bag. Oh, boy. <laughs> so it became a big thing on the Internet about how Batman doesn't do oral 
and the debate over that it's it's since evolved it's since evolved since then wow um you know a lot of people have cited examples of like that's not our batman like no way like yeah of course he does and stuff it became this big debate but of course obviously the joke of heroes don't do that being a quote associated with oral sex um is just hilarious so much so that even val kilmer our very own batman forever even if he wasn't batman forever he was just batman for one movie um <laughs> he chimed in on social media and said does he or doesn't he and included a clip from uh batman forever where he basically is courting nicole kidman's character and saying like i'm gonna bring the wine and so i think val kilmer has even spoken out and said people have made lists of all the batmen that have appeared in the history of Batman and saying like, mm, do we think Adam West goes down? Absolutely, Adam West goes down. <laughs> like every single Batman, George Clooney, oh, of course, like every single Batman. So this is where we, I just wanted, I didn't know if you knew, I just wanted to make sure you knew, of course. Listen, that yep. mask has an open mouth for a reason. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna Perfect. say. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Oh There's my no, god. Yeah. That's so yep. funny. I didn't hear about that. That is so yeah. so good. We were talking about this off air a little bit and I said I had a little story mm -hmm. about uh running into someone. So this goes back to way like I mean I was like so yeah, I was a kid, man. I was like I don't know, I must mm -hmm. have been a teenager or early 20s or something. And 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 this is where you can date it. I was at a Hollywood video and oh wow. <laughs> my buddies and i were just walking around we're looking at movies and you know when you're young and you're like you'll see a movie you start burying it like oh that's so dumb and oh this is stupid so i was mm -hmm. walking down an aisle and i see um the movie you got served are you familiar with that one yes i am familiar with you it's got like a served, dance yeah. movie with starring Mar yep. marcus marquise houston and uh and omarion and so uh we all start like absolutely burying it and i mean i am openly like you got third like this movie is so uh -huh. dumb like why would yep. anybody watch it and i shit you not i walk around to the next aisle and omarion and marcus houston are in the next aisle standing there and i'm just like oh that's hawk <laughs> how does that happen how does that i don't understand cosmically how that happens it's like someone playing the sims or something like that where they can manipulate where people are at certain times that blows my mind any yeah. did any reaction from them no they were, were they clearly aware hell yeah i think omarion they, there's probably no way. has like this this spider sense to where any one time any anytime someone was burying him he can like mm -hmm. teleport to that area and just be like, <laughs> like oh, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, i mean like what are the odds of that happening man like i, mm -hmm. I could not believe it and to just put it a period to the end of the story, I did end up watching it and I loved it. So if I know, you know, now. Omarion and Marcus Houston, you're probably big listeners of the show now. I appreciate it. Uh, mm -hmm. I love that freaking movie. So thank you. And I apologize for that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, <laughs> it's, it's a happy ending. So it's yeah. perfect. It ends perfectly. Wow. Yep. Well, right, we got to get to the run in. We got yeah, we got to get to the run. We got an amazing, amazing guest this week, Kevin Kleinrock. He is such a storied 
professional in the world of wrestling, kind of on the other side of it. He's a producer, he's a creator, and and a booker as well. Like he's written wrestling and been involved in this sport for a really long time. We talked to him about kind of where he got his start and also some of his really exciting projects that he worked on that also included Sky, including Wrestling History X and what it was like doing all kinds of stuff like that. So without further ado, let's get to run in with Kevin Kleinrock. Everybody, our guest this week is Kevin Kleinrock. He's the president and executive producer of Mass Republic. He's a former Extreme Pro Wrestling producer and co-creator and booker of Wrestling Society X and is ranked as one of the most influential people in all of professional wrestling. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're really excited to have you on and just kind of like talk. We were already chatting kind of before the formal interview began about all of your experiences and the different organizations you've worked and how much you've seen of the behind the scenes of wrestling. I also want to talk about in front of the scenes, too, because I feel like that's just as interesting. Absolutely. I think that, uh, it, you know, I, I'm look, I'm, I'm first off, I'm very excited to be here and it's really cool to see all of the uh, success that our friend uh, Scorpio Sky here has had because I think he's been part of just about everything that I've I've ever really done. So it's been great to see the explosion uh, over the last year. I wanted to talk about that, actually. You know, I was really excited to do this interview. Uh, what a, Not a lot of people, or maybe some people have made the connection or, or may or may not know, but Kevin is actually one of the guys that saw something in me very, very early in my career, uh, maybe year one, year two, something like that. And from then on, he's actually always been someone I can call upon, uh, whether it be for advice or, or, or things of that nature. And he's always involved me in projects that he's done. And so I'm very, very appreciative of that. And I've learned a lot from him. And, and I echo your sentiments, uh, one of the most influential minds in the wrestling business, and I don't think you get enough credit. So let's change that today on on, on uh, wrestling with wrestling society X with the week. We can call this episode maybe. Wow, I don't know. <laughs> wrestling with fun, the week man. X. <laughs> yes, you want to know a funny story? Actually, really quick about that wrestling society X. He pitched it to me, or not pitched it to me. He's like, "Yeah, I'm going to be doing a show, uh, and I want you on it." And and I don't know why I did like. I was a young kid and I was like, yeah, okay. You know, like, I mean, like, I guess I knew Kevin a little bit then. I should have trusted his word, but like you always hear these things. And then like next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a TV show. And had I known, I would have made sure I got in the best shape of my entire life. But I, I didn't. I was doing my regular deal back then. And now I look back at the footage and I'm so skinny and just not in the best shape of my life. So I just, uh, I learned then to make sure I listen to everything Kevin says and take it at its words because um, mm -hmm. I learned the hard way. I, I don't think any of us knew at that time exactly what, you know, what was going to be. Uh, listen, if we had gotten to like a season three or four, you would have been in great shape by then. So I'm sure, you know. Facts. Well, I, I just want to touch on that too, because I think there's some people that like follow, you know, the mainstream AEW, WWEs and stuff, but there's, there's been so many other interpretations uh, of, of professional wrestling for television that have, have existed over the years. So maybe you could just do like a brief intro of maybe your experience getting into that world through like a more independent, unconventional mean. Yeah. I mean, the, I guess the quick summary of it was, uh, I 
knew it like age 12 i wanted to have a career in pro wrestling but i was scrawny and did not like getting hurt so i knew it wasn't going to be like in the ring uh and so i just tried to figure out how to get my foot in the door and, and eventually started working for a small local promotion called slammers wrestling federation and that um through a series of of fortunate events led to uh xpw and xpw we i, I wrote and produced a couple of years 130 something episodes of tv and then xpw stopped and the library the content library um got purchased by a company that had been distributing our dvds and that kind of parlayed into an opportunity with big vision entertainment because there was a spinoff there. Uh, and at Big Vision, we were continuing to distribute wrestling DVDs and produce wrestling content. And the owner of Big Vision, Houston Curtis, had been a MTV development executive. And he was going into MTV to pitch a frat house poker show. This was back in the early, mid 2000s when poker was super, super hot. And I had always seen this kind of, um, uh, love for each other of punk rock and pro wrestling. There's so many music groups that liked uh, wrestling and so many wrestlers that were into the punk rock bands. And I always thought it'd be really cool to try to combine the two in some way. And MTV seemed like the perfect place for that. And so in order to get that MTV show sold, we literally took XPW footage uh, in the independent wrestling footage and worked tour concert footage and made the sizzle reel pitch tape of what our vision for uh, wrestling society x would be and uh that's how we got there but without those decades or at that point yeah probably i guess a decade in independent wrestling um behind the camera understanding promoting understanding writing of wrestling shows and and building up that library um we would have never been able to really pitch and and convince mtv to let us have a shot with this wrestling society x idea like uh, Wrestling Society X, I think it's it's one of it's like such a unique product, and I want to get more into that. But I, I definitely want to go back a little bit, and and there's a couple things I really really want to cover. For starters, you talked about Slammers Wrestling. I want to know how exactly you broke into the business, and how like was there a, was there a guy that showed you the ropes and 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 that sort of thing. And then as we move through there, I want to talk a little bit about XPW and particularly the talent because. Uh, I mean, they were they were putting on some really, really entertaining shows, filling up the Grand Olympic Auditorium. Um, I'm not sure people realize how big XPW was in the Southern California scene at the time. So I'm very curious as far as like, uh, were you involved in the talent scouting as far as guys getting guys like Supreme and the Messiah and, and Dynamite D? And so if you can just kind of take us through that process of breaking into the business and then uh, creating what was XPW. Yeah, so... There was, so I'm sure everyone's familiar with Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine. Uh, so there was this ad in Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine for this. It said it was a book. It was kind of more like a booklet. still on my shelf today. It's called So You Want to Be a Pro Wrestler. And it was by uh, Dennis Brent and Percy Pringle III, uh, Paul Bear. And so I must have been like, I don't know, 14 maybe at the time. And I 15 maybe. I sent away for this book. And it was a very basic, um, you know, here's all the different jobs in pro wrestling and here's all the wrestling schools, which now we're talking like the, the, the mid nineties, you know, it wasn't like it, what, it, there wasn't even really a big internet boom yet. I think maybe prodigy message boards were kind of a thing at the time. Um, but it was still a very closed business and 
it, it was it was rare. It's not like today where there's a wrestling school in every city. Um, wrestling schools were rare. Being able to get your foot in the door was rare. And so it just so happened by luck that there was a place called Slammer's Wrestling Gym that was probably like 10, in 10 minutes from my parents' house. I grew up in Van Nuys, California. This was in Sun Valley. And so I uh, called the number in the back thinking, let's figure out, you know, if there's anything this teenage kid can do. And the phone number was disconnected. And I was like, oh. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> there goes my dreams before they even start. Uh, and back in these days, because we didn't Google stuff, I opened the white pages hoping maybe there's a new phone number. And it turned out that they had actually misprinted the number by one digit. So my dream was back alive again. And uh, I, I called up and it turned out that they, they ran shows. I think at that point, they opened to the public for shows on like the first Sunday of every month or it was once a month on a Sunday. And I convinced my parents, my mom does not like wrestling because she does not like watching people fake or real, like get hurt. Uh, and so I, I convinced my parents to kind of come out and, and sat ringside. And this was your typical, typical wrestling school, industrial warehouse, you know, roll up the door, let 30, 40 people in in chairs right around the ring up close and personal. But I was hooked. Like first time I'd ever seen wrestling that up close and personal. The lobby was just filled with eight by tens of every wrestling superstar you could think of and, you know, autographed. And I was like, this, this is the place for me. And they had this, uh, what they called souvenir program, which was really just like, a, you know, 11 by 17 sheets of paper photocopied and at Kinko's. And, and, but it was like, here's the card for today. And here's like a recap of, of what happened last time. And um, eventually I decided that I was going to anonymously send in a review of the show that I attended uh, from like a heel perspective. And I put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, mailed it in. And the next show that I went to, uh, Vern Langdon, the promoter, owner, had printed it on the back of the program. And so that was like the coolest moment of my entire life up until then. Um, and I just so I just kept sending these in anonymously and he kept printing them. And I thought I was so slick and he had no idea it was me. And then it turned out he knew all along it was me. He'd like figured, <laughs> figured it out. Um, <laughs> but Slammer, uh, Slammers was where so many people that I don't think people even have a clue came from there, came from there. Dynamite D, uh, Jimmy, homeless Jimmy, uh, White Trash Johnny Webb, Angel, um, uh, 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 Nick Beat um, was that was his slammer's or his after slammer's name, but um, uh, Damian Steele from from XPW, um, uh, the Messiah. So many people from the SoCal wrestling scene ended up training at Slammers, and um, so there ended up being a rift between Slammers and a lot of the wrestlers because Slammers was very very old school. Like every Thursday, you wrestled in Bakersfield. By the, by the mid to late, mid 90s. This was like 96, uh, 95, 96. And it didn't matter if it was Thanksgiving or Christmas or your birthday, like you wrestled every Thursday and nobody was really getting paid. This was indie, indie wrestling. Um, Vern didn't like people wrestling for other places. He was trying to build his thing. And a lot of people just felt kind of restricted. Um, and for me, I was trying to get my foot in the door and learn. And it was still super kayfabe for me, even though I was at that point, I had, um, I was timekeeping for them. And then one day the ring announcer didn't show up. So suddenly I was the new ring announcer. So I was ring announcing, uh, I was writing these results. I was, um, but even in the pre-show warm up, um, 
you know, walk through stuff. I was kept up in the front office. I was not being let in on the secrets of pro wrestling. And I knew at that point I was getting ready to graduate high school. Um, I needed to figure out how I could learn more uh, or I was never going to be able to have a real career in the business. And so I used the idea that I was going to be going to college as like thanking Vern for all the kind of time that he let me let me in and, and let me kind of learn what I did. Um, and I kind of stepped away. And right after that, there was this big blow up between Dynamite D and his side of, of the Slammers roster and Vern and the other side of the Slammers roster. And there was a split and D and a number of other wrestlers, uh, along with myself and referee Patrick Hernandez, who was a well-known Southern California referee. Uh, we started Southern California Championship Wrestling, which was, again, your local rinky-dink independent wrestling sh promotion. You know, we were in shows at boys and girls clubs and rec centers in front of a hundred people, maybe. And a lot of that talent in SCCW came from slammers. Um, and then the XPW opportunity came because we would always pass out flyers for our events at WWE shows. And Rob Black, who ended up founding and owning XPW, um, had been working with Paul Heyman uh, with ECW at the time, trying to figure out if he was going to bring ECW to the West Coast, or they were going to, they were talking about some business in Brazil where Rob had another uh, company and looking at how to kind of expand a little bit on, on ECW's foothold. And Rob knew about WWE, WCW, and ECW, but didn't know anything about independent wrestling and that there was anybody doing wrestling in Los Angeles. So he happened to get a flyer and he called the number on the flyer, which was Dynamite D's work. And we set up a meeting and long story short, uh, the decision was kind of presented to us of work with this guy with a budget and try to build something new and bigger or continue on our own with the money out of D's pocket and Patrick's pocket because I'm a college freshman at the time and I've got no money. Uh, and we decided that we would take the shot and uh, see what we could build with XPW. Uh, and that's why a lot of the talent for XPW at the beginning came from uh, Slammers. And then Chaos and Supreme had come on board because um, uh, I think it was, so it was definitely because of, of Tech Nine, um, Byron Walker, I think, or Christian Blood uh, in early XPW. Um, and there was a long history feud in the LA wrestling scene, Southern California wrestling scene of the neighborhoods, which was uh, Tech Nine and Craze One against Chaos and Supreme. And so we had never worked, no one in, from Slammers had ever worked with Chaos and Supreme, but Byron brought them over and uh, they were great. You know, we knew we wanted to work with them and they're really the first two or the only two homegrown stars of XPW that didn't come uh, from Slammers. Wow. That's that's awesome. that's, that's wild. Story. Yeah, it's it's crazy how one thing leads to another thing leads to and it creates this like snowball effect. Um, you talking about not there not being schools. I, I was very similar to you. I was a, a 90s kid and I was like, well, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. And I was lucky enough. Probably I think my parents were smarter, so they probably done the research. But they basically were like, OK, well, if that's what you want to do, we support you. And there was one school like hours and hours away from where I lived. That was uh, chief Wahoo McDaniels uh, wrestling school in North Carolina. And they were like, when you're 18, you can go like we support you. And I was like, nice. 
course they turn 18 i go off to college like it's a, they i think they knew it, like it wasn't gonna work out um but they were still very supportive i watched wrestling with my dad but it's just funny to think that like you found those options you sought them out you're like no i'm gonna get in it and how that kind of snowballed into a thing um i'm curious because obviously like wrestling society x is an an mtv show so you know you you mentioned that you are you had some familiarity you're work, already working with a former mtv executive but like how do you get in a room with a bunch of suits for lack of a better word that don't get it at all but know that they want the money and like convince them like that this is something that people want to see because i feel like i've dealt with that a little bit here <laughs> uh so there's a couple of parts of that um number one i think that if houston hadn't been an mtv exec himself i don't know that we would have even had the opportunity to pitch right it's very hard to go in and just pitch in person to like head of deciding what's gonna get picked up at mtv uh in person um and honestly my pitch what i Wrestling Society X was the best year professionally of my life ever. Um, but I learned a lot in, in its rise and in, in immediate fall. Um, and, you know, what I went in pitching was, was really based on two things. One was that MTV had always done so much to support pro wrestling. Like WWF would not have blown up in the 80s if it wasn't for that rock and wrestling connection, if it wasn't for MTV putting wrestling over. And, and then after that, throughout the years, whether it was um, – uh, was it Shotgun Saturday Night or, or Sunday Night Heat? Uh, there, there's always stuff uh, on MTV and wrestling, keeping that that bond there. But MTV was never able to actually benefit from that. Like it was a TV show, but they didn't get to take any of the growth with it, other than TV ratings. And so, my kind of pitch to MTV was what years later would be successful with Bellator and Viacom coming together. I pitched, look, let's build a business together. Let's do something that MTV owns a wrestling product. And I'm like, you're not going to tour the real world in arenas. And you're not going to make action figures of the jackass guys. I mean, you could have, but that wasn't happening. And so in my mind, I was pitching this really big business that was going to potentially be backed by MTV and grow. And what I didn't realize at the time was that because I was pitching the TV side and not the business side, they did not care at all about any of that. And it went in one ear and out the other. All they cared about was TV ratings. Um, and at the time, they were really trying to figure out how are they going to get guy viewers, male viewers back to MTV because MTV had become heavy, heavy female viewers. And they were looking for uh, to build one night of television a week where they thought it would be like guys night on MTV. And so they saw something in us for that. And it, it, it's, it was an amazing experience. Um, anyone that has a background in television will know that you don't pitch a show and get greenlit the same day generally. And it certainly skewed my view going forward to like pitch a show, drive back to our office and get a call later that day saying, yes, we're gonna green light you for a pilot. Um, never happened again. Wow. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I think, you know, we were, it was right place, right time. Even if my exact approach to it was, you know, not the reason they decided to green light it. Um, but what I learned about the executives and the television side 
well, learned a lot of stuff, but you also have to be very careful what you say in front of a TV executive because you should not open your mouth unless you're going to want to do everything that comes out of your mouth. Because when we got to starting to talk creative, I was literally casually trying to say, oh, you know, there's these crazy matches they do in Japan, like piranha death matches and exploding ring matches. And it was just like this non-important conversation that we were having in the room, but they latched onto that. And they were like, ooh, <laughs> we have to do that. Piranha death match, exploding cage. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that's kind of part of what the Wrestling Society X kind of vision became. Um, I never intended to blow stuff up quite as often as it happened. Like I was all for a crazy season finale, but MTV's kind of mission to us was your TV show needs to be what people can't see on other wrestling shows. So we need to deliver big stunts each and every week. They literally wanted me to blow something up every week. And I know people know that there were explosions on the show, but like, I don't know if anyone's gone back and noticed, it was actually literally every other week, something was blowing up. That's because I convinced them, like at least like, let's go every other, let's not blow something up every single week. Um, and so that's kind of how we got there. So um, important to know your audience and important to not suggest things or not even suggest, not bring things up and let people know they exist unless you're ready to deliver those as part of your TV show. How frustrating is that when you've got your vision for what you want this show to be and now you've got these suits that, that don't necessarily know wrestling that are like, no, we have to do this. It has to be this. And, and so you're, you're trying to appeal to a wrestling audience in one aspect, but then at the same time, you're trying to bring in these casuals uh, and then you have to meet in the middle with what they want connected to what you want. How frustrating is that? So, I mean, it was frustrating, you know, um, again, like I would do it all over again, even in the exact same situation, because it was such a great experience and it was, it was very beneficial to myself, my family and all the people, I think talent that got to work the show, even if they were only really part of it for 10 days or whatever it was, everyone got paid really well. Um, it was a great experience for, I think everybody involved. Um, but it, it was definitely frustrating. And I think that, I mean, so let's talk about the style of the show real quick, right? Like it was a half hour show. It, we had, everything had to go lightning fast. And as much as we were allowed to blow stuff up, we also, you know, MTV had been reeling or Viacom had been reeling from like uh, kids, you know, doing things that they saw on Beavis and Butthead or, or other things. And it was, we were right in the middle of this. We can't do things that kids can easily replicate on TV. So if you go back and you watch in editing, we had to basically cut out kicking and punching like a wrestling match <laughs> with no mm -hmm. real kicking and punching. And that's yeah. why when people watch the episodes from the TV show, it's very frenetic. It, it, people talk, oh, it's all high spot, high spot, high spot. That's not how it happened in the ring. Like, yes, we were using no nope. purpose, like younger, fast paced, high spot driven wrestlers. But if you go and watch the raw footage, and I really hope that someday, like the uncut tapes do get released because we were producing really good wrestling matches. But when they <laughs> made television, it was very different. It was high spot, cut to the crowd shot because we're covering up that we're pulling out time from the episode. Um, 
post-production wrestling is very, I mean, even with like uh, Lucha Underground, you would see, you know, kind of a better version of post-produced wrestling. But even then, sometimes people, um, you know, who were there live would be like, wait, that was a very, you know, different representation of the match. And for us, we had this, um, this web series called WS Extra, which was our, um, I guess it was on MTV, it was MTV Overdrive at the time, which is basically just like the MTV website. The executives didn't edit those matches. We got to cut those matches as if they were real wrestling matches and not TV matches. And so um, they exist on the DVD if people have the DVD set. And if you watch those, it is a very different show than if you're watching mm -hmm. the actual TV show. And it's much more of a traditional kind of wrestling. But to go back to your question, Sky, the for me, the way that I planned on still trying to bring in new eyeballs to wrestling was that talent that we had on the show. Um, you know, and I, I said this before in interviews, like the big driving force for me in building that roster was that as a wrestling fan, I really wanted to see the wrestling industry fan base grow. And I thought that most of the people out there that weren't wrestling fans in the mid nineties had this perception of wrestling that it was big, oiled up men in speedos doing body slams and leg drops and that they didn't understand that the wrestling style had really evolved that's why it was so important for me to have jack evans and matt seidel be the very first thing that anybody saw of wrestling society x because i knew that their getting in the ring and that style of a match was going to make people immediately as soon as they turned on the television go this isn't the wrestling that I that I'm used to. Maybe I should stick around and watch this. And so, you know, having that roster, Jack and Matt and you and and Teddy Hart and and M Dog and uh, you know Tornado and and all these really young and upcoming athletes, I think that to me that was how, regardless of what was put on us from the TV executives, we were going to go out there and kind of at least have some of our vision come through. What do you think is maybe the future? Like you talked about how you had you you've been I feel like you've been correct about things that you were predicting back at like the mid 2000s. But like so like now, what do you what do you see is like the progression? Because, you know, we have we have the big shows that are essentially rewatching a live event or watching a live event. You made something that was different and like a hybrid. We saw like Lucha Underground kind of come and go. Do you feel like there is a space for that like hybrid place in wrestling? Oh, I absolutely do. You know, I I think the biggest, well, there's a lot of missteps by Lucha Underground, but I think the biggest misstep they had was not calling it what it was from the beginning, right? I think if Lucha Underground had come out and said, we are the first telenovela about pro wrestling, but you're also getting full wrestling matches, I think they would have grown a much wider audience. The problem, and I mean, here's another project that Sky was part of, was Urban Wrestling Federation, right? Urban Wrestling Federation, before even Lucha Underground, was the first, I really feel, drama wrestling show, right? It was pay-per-view, but it was scripted. It was supposed to be like The Wire, or a, a gritty urban street drama, but where these these gang bosses essentially, who are all music uh, personalities, were having their crews go in the ring and fight each other. And there was, you know, money on the line. And I think that what we 
what we did there that people weren't ready for was to really make it a drama that had wrestling in it. And what happened with with uh, wrestling uh, with uh, Lucha Underground was that they came out and they first were calling themselves a reality series. And I don't understand how that happened at all. Originally, like a year before Lucha Underground came out, there was a thought that they were going to do a reality show to introduce the characters before they did Lucha Underground. And that idea went away. But it was almost like nobody at MGM or El Rey got the memo because everything that was released about the show in Variety and Hollywood Reporter in the press was about, they called it an unscripted series. And mm -hmm. it absolutely yeah. was not an unscripted series. Yeah. It was a highly scripted series, yeah. more than any other wrestling yeah. at the time. And I think that they failed to capitalize on what could have been a really cool way to present wrestling and get people into it who weren't into it. And I definitely think that there's space for that in the market. I think it just has to be done, not just done on camera the right way, but it has to be presented to the public in the right way. And you've got to get network support. I mean, that, look, the biggest thing, I, I, I love seeing the support that TNT and the Turner organization is giving AEW because that was the biggest thing lacking with MTV. Um, MTV basically decided, I think, before episode one ever aired, we don't really want to be in the wrestling business. Like, we don't want to really push this heavy because we don't want to be in the wrestling business. And again, there was a lot of turnover of executives at the time. And I just think that that's why we got no support. I mean, going into week one, we got commercials for our show. After week one, we never got a single spot or promotion for our show. Mm -hmm. How are you supposed to grow yeah. your audience? How are you supposed to grow um, without that? And I think that, you know, the television industry is not generally rewarded for innovation. What I mean by that is it's a lot. If you as a TV exec have a failure or a bomb, there's a lot more chance of you getting fired than if you have a hit. Um, you getting kind of you can stay where you are for a long time with hit after hit after hit. But one failure. So I think that a lot of the MTV executives were like, ooh, if we back this horse and it doesn't work, <laughs> then our, our butts are on the line. And I think that we just, the executives that we worked with who were like the executives in charge of our show, they were great to work with. Absolutely wonderful. But I think it was kind of the people above them and the decision makers that just didn't want to be supporting a wrestling show at the time. And so I think it's going to take creativity, positioning it the right way, and network support for something else to really work. And network, again, a network could be Hulu or Netflix or, you know, some kind of platform that can afford to support the show. But I definitely think that there, I, as a product, I love Lucha Underground because it was so different. And it still gave you those great matches in the ring, but it was doing something completely different than anybody else was doing outside the ring. And that's all for me personally. I think my drive has always been, you're not going to out WWE, WWE. Like, there's already a B and a C and a D level WWE people that are doing kind of pro wrestling as pro wrestling. And I think that, you know, it, it takes trying to figure out what is that that hook or what is that difference to make something successful. I mean, for me personally, I decided after Wrestling Society X that that was going to be Lucha Libre and trying to figure out 
how to position Lucha the best outside of Mexico. And that's something we're still working on every day. Um, but I definitely think there's a space for it. Well, I think if there's a space for it, then you are the guy to make it happen. So if anybody out there wants to throw some money at, at, at my, <laughs> my, my man over here, <laughs> uh, you, you are the guy to make it happen. Hey, um, I really think we need to get you on here again because, I mean, we can talk for hours. There's mm-hmm. so much more I wanted to get into, um, but there's only so much time. And I really want to see if we can talk you into playing this game. So if we can bring eric on man listen that was that interview's awesome that was i learned a lot i feel informed but here's the thing guys we have a game to play and it's called well versed <music> guys guys here's the thing we, things are things are opening up again kevin i'm a big karaoke guy I like getting out there. I like oh, singing boy. my songs. Oh, I, nothing but hits. And James can tell you, voice of an angel right here. So here's what I'm going to give you guys. It's no, don't voice. give me that look. No, that's of an it's angel. Say the rest I, I of it. Said, of it's an a angel. voice. No, of an angel is the rest of it. So I'm going to give you guys. An Some, I, isn't there an angel that makes your head pop? Anyway, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> So I'm going to give you guys some lyrics from some of my favorite karaoke songs. I'm going to sing them for you. And then you buzz in, say your name. Name is your buzzer style. You say your name. If you know what the lyrics are from, we're going to start right now. Here is the first song. You missed two classes and no homework, but your teacher preaches class like you're some kind of jerk. James. Uh, Yeah, James, go ahead. It seems like you didn't even know the words to that one. Like you well, stumbled I, you halfway know, Karaoke's through. hard. Usually there's a big screen and you sing it yeah. like loud uh, into the microphone. But this, okay. you know, it's hard when you're kind of like off the dome in it. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So, so do I'm you have a guess too? Yeah, I do okay. have a guess. Lean okay. on me. No, it's not lean on me. You miss two okay. classes and no homework, but your teacher preaches class like you're some kind of jerk. Sky. Yeah, Sky. Is it? Uh, is it? Is it? Uh, I get knocked down by. Uh... What? Stop guessing tub thumping. <laughs> yeah. tub I like thumping. that you never. You also never say tub thumping. You always go. I get knocked down. Listen, it, it's not it, tub beast, thumping. It's, it's not lean it's on me. Beastie Boys. It's Beastie Boys, Kevin. Kevin. But I, but I'm, I'm, it's not fight. For, it's fight for your right to party. It is fight for your right to part. Right. See, this is why me and wow. Kevin go to karaoke together. We're wow. simpatico. We both understand well, so the wrestling the business years. on a level. The MTV yeah. years. That's what it is. MTV will teach you. <laughs> oh, okay. my God. Okay. Right. So that, that's the first again, one. That, again, by the way, Kevin, that was his singing voice, just so you know. Okay. Yeah, that's how uh, I sing. That, that, that's why, that's why okay. it, took, it took me a minute, but I got it. Yeah, because yeah. I sing so good. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> the next one. I have two more. The next one. I'm packed and I'm holding. I'm smiling. She's living. She's golding. She lives for me. She says she lives for me. Uh, James. Uh, yeah, okay. okay. Uh, Kevin. James. Go ahead. Uh, James. James. I'm pretty certain this is Studio by Phil Collins. No, it's not Studio <laughs> by Phil no. Collins. What are you okay. talking right. about? I thought, because I, I, it's been a while since I've heard it, but I thought that's what it was. No. no? Okay. It's not. No. Okay. No. Kevin, did you have a guess? It's third eye blind, but uh, this I'm not going to name the song. I'm not going to remember the name of the song. 
You can get the name of the song. You're so close to getting the name of the song. You got the artist. You're right there. What's the only song anybody like, knows they, by Third like Eye Blind? They only had like two, right? They, <laughs> what's Third Eye Blind? What's the one song that isn't Jumper? I saw Jumper? them live once. And I, a friend of mine I, had his I, wallet I, stolen while he was uh, crowd surfing at <laughs> Third Eye Blind concert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting. I'm not getting. I'm not getting the name. I've got all the lyrics in my head, but I'm not getting the name. Is of the it song. Some, something with blue in the they title? They have a song that's not Jumper. They have a song. They have one <laughs> other song blind. that's not Jumper. Guys, okay, I'll give you a half a point. It's Semi Charmed okay. Life by Third Eye. Oh, yes. all right, right, okay, right, I right, do that right, one. Right. Yeah, yeah, see? yeah. See, yeah, see, Scott, even, yeah, see, even yeah, Sky yeah, knew okay. that one. Yeah. Uh, wow, you guys said Sky my, that Sky singing. singing voice. My, come on, Sky That's, was singing. Oh, come that. on, hey. Okay, hey. That, the eyes, right. I my, my, am the my one with My the mouth pipes. is dry. That's all it is. My mouth. Is oh, dry. that must that must right, be so, what it is. Okay. So Kevin, Kevin has one and a half points. Yeah. And we yeah. Have so let's have zero. And right. this one is worth two points. Ooh. Here is Ooh. the last song from my karaoke yeah. list. <clears throat> this is a tough one. This is a tough one. There is so much a man can tell you, so much he can say. You remain my power, my pleasure, my pain. Sky. Sky? Ooh. I get knocked down by... by no! No, no, James! <laughs> James! <laughs> James! James, what is it? Oh, no, no. Sure? Kevin's a guest. He can go. He can go. He can go. It's, it's kiss, kiss by a Rose by Sia, or Kiss from a Rose by Sia. It is Kiss from a Rose by Sia! Oh, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Give me that yeah. line again. My power, my pleasure, wait, my pain, I want to hear. No, baby. I want to hear the way he did it. I want to hear the way he like did the, it, because oh, I love that, that song. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I love that song, and I didn't okay. even recognize it. <laughs> <at all>. Let <laughs> me hear that. Okay. There is so much a man can tell you, so much he can say, you remain my power, my pleasure, my pain. How did I yeah. not get that? I don't. I don't I know. I sang it just like Seal. You were no, listening. <laughs> Maybe you had too no, many the, whiskey the, drinks, the, vodka drinks, <laughs> lager drinks. This is, <laughs> this, is uh, this is only for the video. But like the the best part of that song is like, but did you know that when it snows, my eyes become. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part, that's right? That's what his eyes that's do. Like, that's what you open. remember. My eyes become a larger. Yeah. God, well, that's the part. Guys, oh, man. let me let me be the first to congratulate Kevin on Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much. winning this incredible game of well versed, where I did a great job and everyone else was just trying to keep up. So that's that. There you go. Take us out. <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for joining us for this interview. Uh, we again, we'd love to have you back. Wealth of knowledge. Uh, and, and, and yeah, it was super interesting and we'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Oh, and, uh, and, and, and I want to thank you for, uh, I still get checks from time to time from Tosh.0 and that one came from Kevin. So thank you very much. Wow. <laughs> nice. There it is. That's and a legacy. I'm not sending awesome. you any. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't get any. <laughs> Just kidding. Thank you so much, oh, Kevin. Man. Take care. Thank you. This is great. I appreciate it. So much I wanted to get through, uh, get to, but we just didn't have enough time. A great, great interview. Uh, love Kevin. Known him my entire career. He's, uh, I talked about it. He's helped me a lot. So uh, big shout out to him. Thank you for doing it. Um, now, we've talked about a lot. We're, we're heading mm -hmm. to the end of the show. Mm -hmm. uh, I need James back up on our screen. I need, oh. I need to know what's going on with you. This yeah. is going to be 15 seconds with James. It is. Let's Graphic. get the clock 
on the Takes screen. Longer. The clock is on the screen. James. Yeah. What's going on? So the interesting thing about this segment is that it feels like the setup for it and the graphic is actually longer than the segment. But as you know, I've been using this as an opportunity to update everyone on the status of Cruel Summer. Well, the season finale was last night and all was revealed to... Oh, oh man, okay. we may have to wait till next week to find right. out what the, the revealing of the season finale of Cruel Summer is. I'm so sorry. We're just mm. so, so pressed for time. Let's see it. Um, before we get to the finish, I, I want to make sure I plug our social on Twitter and Instagram. That is WWTWPOD. Again, that is on Twitter and Instagram, WWTWPOD. You can follow us individually at Scorpio Sky on Twitter and Instagram, TikTok, Scorpio Sky Official. And of course, Twitter and Instagram, James Willems. Mm -hmm. And one last thing I want to plug is to make sure that uh, right now, again, it is Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Uh, if you want to participate and donate to help keep uh, spaces safe for our LGBTQ plus community family, uh, go to gaycities.com slash save queer spaces and please consider donating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, James. absolutely. Yes. We're heading to the finish. We don't have Eric. We don't have Eric, so so we're we're gonna do the finish anyway. He's in Southern California, living his dreams, uh, and so <laughs> I think maybe the best way is we can give each other a prompt. So, uh, oh, great idea. So I'm gonna give you, or you, why don't you? Do you want to go first, and then I'll go second? Why don't you go first? I'll go first. So I'm gonna give you a prompt. In one word, give me your thoughts on Batman's mouth. <laughs> um oh <laughs> is that it is super, that your super oh, super super nice nice very good because superheroes do that um perfect it, it's to totally funny here is mine i was going to ask you in one word tell me what superman's skills are like his his skills his skills uh they are like crypto night hey <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you guys for tuning in we'll see you next week bye everybody